0: It's just after eight o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah, what up? Party's going on. Duh. Go! For peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmer's Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. So get ready, because SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson starts
1: now. Now. Ah, yes, it does. KT, live, Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, 103 in the Vegas Valley to serve you. And I am here on Wednesday nights. Of course, it is 8 to 10, and it's been 8 to 10 for a long time. But next Wednesday, if you make it out here, KT will be set up by about 4.30 in the afternoon. We'll roll on 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. starting on Monday night. So be at the PSBR Law Studios, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Wednesday night back here at Steiner's Pub, but again, a little bit earlier. So I'll be actually in time for that happy hour. So, uh, Mark Okloff to keep tabs on OKT. They've got some great happy hours here. All three Starner's Pub locations, 24-hour establishments, which is outstanding. You need food? Doesn't matter. You work graveyard, swing shift, you're going to be able to hit one of the three Starner's Pubs, and you're going to be able to hang out. You get the best in gaming. you got the video kino, video poker, got the long bar set up, full bar, what they don't have on tap they've got in the bottle, and then, of course, you've got... An incredible kitchen. It is not bar food. I'm talking salmon. Tonight I had the Chinese chicken salad after, of course, the lamb chop appetizer. KT always gets the lamb chops. They're the best in Las Vegas, bar none, so please make sure you try them. That is my recommendation. Uh, But a full menu. I mean, I'm talking salmon or steak or burgers, chicken sandwiches, the best salads, homemade soups, homemade salad dressings. Phenomenal, Top to bottom, 24-hour establishment, which means one other thing. Got to be 21 and older. So don't bring the kids. You'll be disappointed. Now You can call and uh, get to-go orders. And, again, the prices are very reasonable. The food is second to none. It is outstanding. And I've been here 15 years on Wednesday night, so I know pretty much everything on the menu. Although things have changed and they've added some other things and, uh, you know, kind of trial by error, but pretty much everything I've tried has always been outstanding. Mark Lawrence is going to join me in just a sec. Mark was here last Wednesday at this location. The other two locations, 8410 West Cheyenne, now in their 25th year. That is the original, and of course, 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South. They will be celebrating their 20th anniversary coming up next year. They are the youngest of the three. This location, 1750 North Buffalo, just celebrate it their 20th anniversary last Saturday night, and they did it in style. Roger Sachs taking care of business with a nice party from 5 to 10 p.m., and again, Steiner's Pubs, they do everything first class, so uh, we are here Wednesday nights, and it's great that you can join me. 101.5 FM, of course, K Dawn streaming live on the Odyssey app. You are listening to SportsX Radio. You miss any part of the show, the Odyssey Rewind feature is set to roll right after the show is over, so you can go there, or you can also follow me at Ken Thompson 87 at SportsX Radio, both those handles on twitter now known as x will have the archive shows pinned right there and there'll be uh, several different outlets you can go to the links will be right there we're going to talk some afc football with mr mark lawrence you can follow him on twitter mark spelled with a c at mark lawrence and of course playbook sports everything you need is right there mark's plays he's got his incredible newsletter and of course he does the coffee club he gets a early 3 a.m. in the morning to make sure he gets that sucker out there and uh, all set to go mark it was great to see you in vegas last week always enjoy uh, when you make it into town one of these days i'm gonna have to make it over there to the south beach area make it to your neck of the woods oh, okay I, uh, I thought mark may be on but mark hopes gonna grab him right now let me uh, run real quick to the rich badge and finley toyota out of town scoreboard get you caught up on a couple things uh, we're gonna have some Oreo music later on in hour number two Uh, We've got Mark Lawrence and then Arthur DeCesar. Art Dice 21 from the Westgate Superbook will join me at about 840. But I do want to at least get in that one score. It was all Orioles tonight, Davey. And Dean Kramer pitched a nice five innings, took care of business, got his 12th win of the year. And the O's get a couple home runs from Santander. And uh, Anthony with a couple solo shots. And the Orioles roll final score. Was nine? or I'm sorry. Seven, seven to nothing. Seven to nothing. Orioles win it. So the game stays under the total of eight. But the win there. And remember last night, I said take the O's plus money. I know Gaussman's solid, but the Orioles coming off a loss. Usually at home, they're not going to drop two in a row. They did not tonight. They took care of business. Didn't gain any ground because the Rays were able to uh, get a run in the tenth and get a win and uh, stay paced there with the Orioles. But we'll get back to baseball in detail in hour number two. Right now we're going to uh, shift over and we're going to talk some AFC football with Mark Lawrence. But, Mark, I was saying it was great to see you in person last week, and i uh, hoping I can make it to your neck of the woods over there in South Beach, Florida one of these years.
2: Yeah, it would be real nice, Kenny, to have you down here. We'll treat you when you come down here, just as you did when I went to Steiner's Pub. We had a great time seeing you and everybody in Vegas.
1: Yeah, no doubt, and Steiner's always accommodating everybody and been doing the show here for a long time, but always that nice, warm atmosphere at all three Steiner's publications. And uh, Superbook Weekend, and Arthur Caesar from the Superbook will join me uh, about 8.40, so 11.40 your time. But next week, Mark, you actually, you know, you're going to get to come on the show a little bit earlier.
2: Uh, Next week a little bit earlier because the... SportsX Radio on the Odyssey app is going to be a new time next week. Yes,
1: there you go. So we'll be rolling from six to eight Pacific time, nine to eleven. So it won't be keeping Mark Lawrence up too late. That beauty sleep will come back into play, and he'll be ready to roll for football season. It'll be outstanding. All right, let's start AFC, and let's start it off with the Buffalo Bills. We'll go to the AFC East, Mark. And again, this is a team right there knocking on the door. Last several years, they do grab a pretty solid tight end out of Utah with their first round selection. Josh Allen is back. Uh, the running backs seem to switch up every now and then. Uh, defense, still okay. I don't know exactly how good this team is. I mean, you don't feel like they're losing much ground. Like I said, they're always knocking on the door. Buffalo Bills, their win total, 10.5. Where are you with Buffalo?
2: Well, I like Buffalo pretty good this year, Kenny. Here We picked in the uh, make it to the Super Bowl in our preview guide magazine. Leslie Frazier is out as the defensive coordinator there, and head coach Sean McDermott is going to take over the defensive play-calling skills, if you will. And you've got uh, Josh Allen here, one of the first players uh, to lead the league in turnovers and make the playoffs, going all the way back to Eli Manning back in 2007. They're only one of 12 teams that have never won the Super Bowl, Buffalo, and I think if not winning the Super Bowl, I think getting there will be their mission this year, and I believe they may have a chance to do just that.
1: There you go, and they open up against the Jets. So Aaron Rodgers, Monday night opener at home at MetLife. Buffalo will be the opponent, and then Buffalo welcomes the Raiders in to Buffalo on September 17th, week number two. Let's move to the team right there in your neck of the woods, the Miami Dolphins. And this is a team a lot of people feel roster wise. If Tua, and again that big IF, if Tua can stay healthy, this Miami Dolphins team has a pretty solid roster. Now we know that Jalen Ramsey went down, but we expect to see him back before the season's over. Talk to me a little bit about Teron Armstead, who also got banged up the left tackle, but he's a good solid blindside protector uh, for most quarterbacks. But Tua Tung of has an outstanding uh, cast of characters with them. Moster. Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, real solid backfield. Then you have Waddle and Hill and Berrios. Looks like he's going to be good. Talk to me a little bit about this Miami Dolphins team.
2: Well, as we're used to, Stephen Ross spent a ton of money in the offseason and really, really deepened this roster. I think they're going to be a real player in the AFC East this particular week. They expect Jalen Ramsey back from anywhere from six to eight weeks, and if they can hold off till Tarrant Armstead gets back as well, Uh, I think this team is going to be in the running to at least make the playoffs this year. The big cog here, to me, the biggest pickup, I think, was their defensive coordinator hire, Vic Fangio, who is uh, the highest paid defensive coordinator in the National Football League. And the one thing he doesn't do is he doesn't rely on blitzes and five-man rushes. So he's going to need the defensive line to step up. And play their game and in every interview that I've heard with every defensive lineman from Miami they're just ecstatic to play for this man here because he lets them play their game do their thing. I look for a big breakout year from Tua this year those two wide receivers might be the two best tandem of wide receivers in the National Football League and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. I think the Miami Dolphins challenge Buffalo in this division
1: Tough schedule to start. A couple road games at the Chargers and then at New England. We'll see how Miami does out of the gate Speaking of New England, they're next up alphabetically, Belichick in his 24th year now with the Patriots. They'll open with a couple home games against Philly, uh, the defending NFC champions, and then Miami comes a calling. So uh, Bill Belichick now with offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien. We'll see how this all pans out. Talk to me about New England.
2: Well, you take a look uh, with and without. That's the key to the New England Patriots here, 25-26. and 26. The last three years since Tom Brady left New England, that just about says it all, and it means that Bill Belichick is just a National Football League head coach. Nothing superior without Tom Brady, and it's been just that way since Brady left here. Uh, they went 0 and 4 against Buffalo and Miami last year. Now the New York Jets look like they're replenished and restocked this year. I think this is going to be our tough road to hoe for the New England Patriots this year. They could be the last place team in this division here. They do have the benefit of no opponents coming off of a bye week this year. That'll be really good. And for the first time since 1995, they'll open the season with two consecutive home games. If they can get 2-0 in those first two home games, it could help them. But I see them bringing up the division, the bottom of the division, the AFC East this year.
1: All right, the New York Jets are next up batting cleanup, and that's the way Aaron Rodgers likes it. We'll probably see him in action this week. As he said, he's probably going to get in that game. Brees Hall is uh, coming back and, of course, uh, grabbing a pretty solid running back in Dalvin Cook as well. So really trying to add skill position players there around Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson, the young stud out of Ohio State. Uh, A couple guys come back from green bay days with aaron Rodgers, alan lazard and randall cunningham or randall C- randall cunningham that would be great randall cobb uh, outstanding and then Nicole hardman speedster from the kansas city chiefs for all those years he's part of that nucleus as well what about the jets what about the offensive line they've had some woes but they're starting to get some of their guys back uh, defensively this team we know is one of the toughest defensive teams in the american football conference what do you expect from the jets
2: well, last year they were 7-4, and Kenny, to start the season. They lost every game going out, went 0-6 to end the season. A very disappointing end to last year. They have the league's longest playoff drought of any team coming into the season. 2010 was the last time the Jets made the playoffs here. Aaron Rodgers, everything big is expected upon him because he's Aaron Rodgers following the same path a lot of what Brett Favre did when he was uh, with the Green Bay Packers. He left Minnesota. And when he went to Minnesota, he set a career high in completion rates and yards per pass attempt and passive rating. So if Favre can live up to that same path, it's a good chance for the New York Jets uh, to be a factor in this race here. The last 4,000-yard passer that the New York Jets had was who? Joe Namath back in 1967. So if Aaron Rodgers can step up and fill that those shoes, they too can be a challenger inside this division. But i got to say this, Michael Lombardi, uh, former National Football League general manager, he made a great comment here, and he said that for any great culture to succeed, you can never airbrush the past. You don't become an instant champion on paper. So the New York Jets are going to have to go down and win in the trenches here, not just because Aaron Rodgers is there. So we'll see whether or not they can live up to the hype.
1: All right, let's see if uh, we're going to have to pick it up a little bit so we can get all these teams in. Baltimore next up as we jump to the AFC North, and John Harbaugh finally had that preseason streak broken the other night by Washington. Talk to me about John Harbaugh. He's got Todd Munkin, one of the uh, more innovative offensive minds at college football for a long, long time. Now they're with the Ravens. But this is a team now with Lamar Jackson under contract that could be right there as one of the favorites back in the AFC with Odell Beckham Jr. joining this squad. you got J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, great backfield, and of course the offensive line anchored by Ronnie Stanley.
2: Always a well-coached team. You know that uh, all about uh, Harbaugh and what he's like with the Baltimore Ravens here. Uh, they're going to face 12 teams this year, Kenny, that won nine or more games last year. That's a rather stiff schedule, if you will. And they did bring Todd Monk, and that was at Lamar Jackson's request. So if If uh, OBJ can live up to the billing, nobody's made the Pro Bowl as a Baltimore Raven ever. Uh, So a wide receiver has a nice say. So if OBJ can be that guy this year, Baltimore can also step up. This is going to be the toughest division in the National Football League this year.
1: Yeah, no question. You've got Rashad Bateman, the youngster out of Minnesota, and Zay Flowers they just grabbed in the first round out of Boston College. So a very solid squad. Next up, of course, the... uh, Cincinnati Bengals, I believe, is next up there with uh, Zach Taylor. What a job he has done with this team! And of course, we know Joe Burrow banged up. But what's the uh, uh, you know the position right now as far as Joe Burrow? When do we expect him back, Mark Lawrence?
2: Well, they're hoping by the beginning of the football season. They're kind of quiet about that. We don't know, you know, to what degree he's injured here. And uh, you know, obviously, he's the kingpin of the whole football team here. They've got great wide receivers here. Some people think they have the best team of wide receivers coming in here. And they've met Kansas City each of the last two years in the AFC championship game. If they meet again here for the third straight year, there's only two other teams that have ever done that in national football league history. So they would you know, they would be kind of trend-setting in that sense here. But uh, I'm a big fan of Lou Annamarumo, their defensive coordinator here. I think Cincinnati is the team to beat in this division.
1: Yeah, we'll see, again, if Burrow can stay healthy, right? Chase Higgins and Boyd, outstanding receivers. And Joe Mixon trying to make sure he can stay out of trouble off the field, and uh, that's a big if, but we'll see if he can do that. It's a good, solid team. There's no doubt and they're well-coached by Zach Taylor and company. Cleveland Browns will be the last one we get to before we go to break, and then we'll come back. We'll uh, finish up with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll jump to the AFC South and the AFC West. We'll get them all in in a quick amount of time. Talk to me about this team. You know them better than anybody. That's your hometown team, the Cleveland Browns. Kevin Stefanski now in his fourth year. What about the team led by a guy that I don't like off the field, Deshaun Watson? Does he still have it on the field after – uh, a couple years away from the game, basically.
2: Well, they're going to go as far as Deshaun Watson takes him, Kenny. If he's as good as what they feel he was when they signed him, uh, for all those dollars, he's going to be making $46 million a year starting this year for the next three years. He's going to have to live up to the hype here. They haven't had a quarterback that's finished in the top ten in passing in the last 28 years the Cleveland Browns have, and so they're going to need Deshaun Watson-like blood. The key to this team is going to be their defense. The new defensive coordinator is Jim Schwartz. He's as good as they come as far as defensive coordinators go in the National Football League. They tighten this defense up, and you let Nick Chubb do what he does. Uh, He's an outstanding running back, as we all know. I think he's the best running back in the National Football League. Cleveland will also be in the playoff contention this year.
1: There you go. Can they get over that win total of nine? Several guys I know really like Cleveland as a positive over the win total team. Remember... Clowney, now a member of the Baltimore Ravens. Take a break, come back, talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, jump into the AFC South real quick, and then we'll get to the Raiders division, the AFC West, home of the de- the uh, defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. We'll do that when we come back. You're listening to SportsX Radio 101.5 FMK Dawn. We're streaming live on that Odyssey app live at Steiner's Pub. I'm Ken Thompson. We'll be right back. a little billy idol bringing us back on a wednesday night it is hump day kt live at steiner's pub mark lawrence on the psbr law hotline talking afc right now we're in the midst of of going over the teams in the AFC. We're on the final team in the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin and company, they'll open up with a couple home games against the 49ers and in Cleveland on Monday night on my birthday, September the 18th. Looking forward to that. Mark Lawrence talked to me about Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, his offensive coordinator. They've got some weapons, and they're thinking Kenny Pickett could be the answer at quarterback. Still have Trubisky as a backup. Mason Rudolph, Tanner Morgan were battling for that third spot. Uh, but there are some players there. George Pickens starting to step up. Up there and Najee Harris, the workhorse last year. What about this Pittsburgh Steelers team? We know when T.J. Watt is healthy that defense is still one to be reckoned with.
2: Yeah, they sure are, Kenny. They're a wrecking force when T.J. Watt is in the lineup and it shows in their win-loss record. You know, we all know Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, but also they haven't won a playoff game since 2016, so they've got to kind of get their act back together here. Kenny Pickett, while well, he showed signs of promise last year, he only had seven touchdowns and nine picks last season, so he's got to play a lot better than he did last year. Their offensive line, 95% of the snaps they played, uh, their offensive line did last year, so they're a real cohesive unit that way. This is another team in a real, real rock-solid division, Kenny, that could win the division or they could finish in last place. It's going to be a, a real crapshoot in this division here, but I think Pittsburgh's got the toughest road to hoe in this division.
1: All right, let's jump over to the Houston Texans. We'll see if they can indeed make things happen with their young quarterback out of Ohio State, C.J. Stroud. He hasn't looked great in preseason. D'Amico Ryan's in his first year. We know he's a solid defensive mind for years, going to try and mesh this Houston team together. Talk to me about the Houston Texans. We know it's an uphill climb, but they really got a lot from this draft. If everything pans out, they could be a team that in a couple of years can really turn this program around.
2: Yeah, people wonder whether or not C.J. Stroud – warranted being the number two pick in the National Football League draft, if for no other reason. He only started 13 games in his college football career, so he's going to end up having to learn on the job, if you will. They did have the number two and the number three players in the National Football League draft last year when they traded up to get uh, edge Rusher, Will Anderson, Jr., and I think he's going to be the key cog on that defense uh, for this football team here. D'Amico Ryan's was an excellent hire for this program here. They've got to quit hiring new coaches every year and stick with the plan. He's a former 49ers defensive coordinator and also with Houston here. I think he was a great hire for this football program here. Long way to go for this football team here. They'll be building. They'll probably be the last place team in this division, but we will see improvement from the Houston Texans this year.
1: There you go. And they grab Dalton Schultz away from Dallas inside the Lone Star State. You have Mechie and Robert Woods, Nico Collins, your receivers. We'll see exactly how C.J. Stroud steps up, or if he does not, if Davis Mills and Case Keenum, a couple veterans, are back in action. Let's jump over to the Jacksonville Jaguars. This team came back from the dead in a playoff game against the Chargers last year and found themselves winners at the end of that game. How Staley ever survived getting fired? for the Chargers. Nobody knows, but we'll wait and see how things pan out. Doug Peterson, second year now with the Jags. Look, Sunshine really playing good, solid quarterback feels comfortable. Let's talk a little bit about Jacksonville.
2: Well, uh, we hopped past Indianapolis. Maybe we'll circle oh, back sorry. to them next. Okay. But that's okay. But taking a look at Jacksonville, they went from worst to first last year in the division, uh, and also probably largely because they've had the number one pick of the entire draft each of the last two years. That builds some pretty, pretty good depth on a football program. Trevor Lawrence, all of a sudden, he suddenly matured. He looks like the real deal. He looks like the quarterback they wanted. Uh, Great head coach they've got here. Uh, I think this football program is really on the rise. Uh, The problem I have here is uh, they turned the ball over a little bit too much for my liking here. They led the league in fumbles last year. They're going to have to protect the ball a little bit better. I don't know if they can get over nine and a half wins. I bet they total over there have to win 10 games. They were a surprise team last year. I think they'll do well to win 9 games this year, but I'm not going to play them over the nine and a half.
1: There you go. Calvin Ridley will be in action after sitting out last year. Zay Jones, who played for the Raiders, very solid. Christian Kirk. Very reliable receiver as well with Travis Etienne in the backfield with Tank Bigsby now as well for the Jags. Let's jump over now to those Indianapolis Colts. It's right, I before J, but KT uh, not doing that as far as the way that he put his teams in order. So uh, forgive me there, but we know we've got controversy already over in Indianapolis and it's not with Anthony Richardson he will be the heir apparent he'll start Gardner Minshew will be the backup Sam Ellinger still on the squad but Jonathan Taylor right now in a contract dispute and there is no guarantee that Jonathan Taylor will be a Colt when it's all said and done Mark what about Indianapolis
2: well when you're floundering like the Colts are you the last thing you can do is lose your superstar and that is Jonathan Taylor And it doesn't look like he's going to be at Indianapolis Colt for very long, which means it's going to be a whole total rebuilding process for this team. Uh, Anthony Richardson, the new quarterback, he's also only started just 13 games in his college football career. Uh, He's going to be a little green, if you will, coming in here. The 34 turnovers they had last year was the most in the league. They were also last in the league in point differential last year. They were minus 139 net points. A lot of rebuilding to do for this football program here. But I have a this sad feeling, Kenny, when Jonathan Taylor leaves, I think the pin goes out of the end of the balloon and the air comes out. I think the Colts finish last in this division.
1: Wow, that'll be tough. Meanwhile, we've got Mike Vrabel in his sixth year now with Tennessee. Talk to me about the Titans. They're going to open up against Derek Carr and the Saints on the road before they get the Chargers at home and then go to Cleveland. So a very tough start for Tennessee schedule-wise. We'll see how they pan out. But talk to me about Vrabel and the Titans. I'm
2: a big Mike Vrabel fan here, but I'm afraid uh, they've got some work to do here. Uh, Derrick Henry's been a workhorse for this team. Over 1,500 rushing yards about three times in the last four years. And then you've got some much-needed help here from DeAndre Hopkins. Now, if he can pair with Ryan Tannehill and put some sort of a passing attack together, it will really help the team. He set out seven games last year did Tannehill. so. Uh, the question is whether the Titans or the Colts are going to be the worst team in the division here. But I see the Titans bouncing back this year all because of Mike Vrabel and the addition of DeAndre Hopkins on this roster.
1: There you go. We can jump over now to the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs after we get to the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos with Sean Payton in his first year, and they're going to open up with the Raiders, and they've had a lot of trouble with the Raiders over the last few years Uh, they'll get Washington at home so a chance for Payton to open with a couple home games winnable games if he can take care of business if he can get Russell Wilson back to the Russell Wilson we used to know uh, when he was in Seattle but they've got a pretty good backup in Jarrett Stidham who was backing up Derek Carr last year here for the Raiders and showed well in the last two games of the regular season talk to me about the Denver Broncos
2: they're gonna all be about Sean Payton here Kenny and just take a look at the befores and the afters here they were the worst team in the National Football League with scoring offense last year, 16.9 points a game. Sean Payton in his career, his teams have averaged 27.6 points per game. That's the most in National Football League history, so there's a big, big disparity there. You also take a look uh, at what they did last year The Broncos didn't do. They were 28th in yards per play, 31st in third downs, and 31st in red zone touchdown percentage. Go to look at Sean Payton here, what he's done in his career. Third in third down conversion percentage, and number... Three also in red zone touchdown uh, percentage as well. Uh, I think there's going to be a big improvement for this team. I think this might be the most improved team that we're going to see in the National Football League this year because I'm a big, huge Sean Payton fan here. I think he'll bring the best out of Russell Wilson, who has been pathetic the last couple of years here. Uh, Bottom line here is I think Denver gets over their total.
1: All right, Kansas City, we'll see how they do. But I'm telling you, Mark, right now, my feeling, if Chris Jones doesn't get a deal done, They're going to be in a lot of trouble because he is the anchor of that D and he makes everybody better, including guys like Gay and Bolton, the linebackers. So uh, I'm just I'm concerned if I'm a Chiefs fan, if if I don't get Chris Jones, the money he deserves. And we know he's probably the second best tackle in the NFL next to Aaron Donald. uh, They're going to be in trouble defensively. So they better get that job done. And I would think they probably will side on caution and take care of business. Everybody else has kind of restructured contracts, Mahomes, Kelsey, the guys, to making sure that the team can stay intact. What about KC? Did they win another one this year?
2: Well, they're going to be the targeted team here, Kenny, obviously defending Super Bowl champions. you got to go back to 2004, New England, the last time a team won back-to-back Super Bowls. Very, very difficult task to ask of Kansas City this year. Patrick Mahomes, obviously, the key to this offense here. He's just—he's a first-ballot Hall of Famer right now. Even if he retired in five years, he'd be a first-ballot Hall of Famer here. Uh, But I think they're going to be targeted this year, and I think they're going to come down play down a notch or two to their level here. Eleven and a half wins is a tall order for teams in the National Football League. I think they'll struggle to get that number, and then Kansas City will, will make the playoffs, but they won't make it back to the Super Bowl.
1: All right, let's talk about the Raiders then right here in Vegas. They've got their work cut out for them. They need Jimmy G to stay healthy. Brian Hoyer, the 15-year vet, is the backup. Aiden O'Connell's looked great in two preseason games, but it is preseason. Josh Jacobs yet to get a deal done. We'll see if he gets that deal done and gets back to camp right now. It has been Zamir White, the youngster out of Georgia, that has been anchoring things along with Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden. And uh, we'll see how this Raider team fares. On the defensive side of the ball, we know they're led by Max Crosby. They've got some other players, including. Marcus Peters, who comes over, uh, the veteran, to try and help out that secondary. And Chandler Jones swears he's ready to play ball this year. Took him eight games to do that last year as he uh, really struggled out of the gate in a silver and black uniform. What about the Raiders under Josh McDaniels? Can this team hang in there in a very tough AFC West?
2: Very tough AFC West here. The problem with the Raiders, Kenny, is they keep missing on the, in the draft. They just... The, Uh, For whatever reason, the draft has been their hijinks here. Jimmy G, I think, was a good, solid pickup for this team here. If for no other reason, he does know how to win football games. The beneficial thing for this team here this year, Ken, is they're going to face five teams that are coming off a Monday night football game this year. Four of them, they're going to be at home doing just that. So the schedule should break out well for them that way. They're going to do a lot of traveling, air mile-wise. But uh, just having the fact that five teams are coming off Monday night football games should be an extra win or two for the Raiders this year. I don't think they're going to win this division here, but I think they have a chance to get over that 7.5 win total.
1: All right, and then we finish up with Justin Herbert and this L.A. Chargers team under Brandon Staley now in his third year. Like I said, it's been rocky uh, as far as you know winning Big games and blowing that playoff game to Jacksonville when they were up 27-0 last year was one he'd like to forget. They'll open with a couple road games at Tennessee, at Minnesota before they get the uh, the, uh, Raiders at home in L.A. at SoFi Stadium. What about this Charger team? Because they've got a squad. There's no doubt about it. They've got players on the offensive side of the ball. It's just, can the offensive guys, can they stay healthy? Can guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams make it through the season? You know, if they can do that, the addition of Quentin Johnston really going to help out the youngster from TCU is outstanding. And Austin Eckler tried to shop his Where on the open market, but didn't have any takers, really, as far as where he was going to have his salary escalated that much, so decided to stay in L.A. with the Chargers. If Joey Bosa and company are healthy, along with Khalil Mack, we know the defense is for real. How good is this Chargers team?
2: It might be the best thing that happened to the Chargers is Austin Eckler not finding a taker here because he's really terrific. Uh, the best news about the team, obviously, the quarterback, Justin Herbert. He was, he, If you take a look at what he's done here, Kenny, he was second most in the National Football League in target passes that were on target. Only Tom Brady was uh, a better passer on target than him. Patrick Mahomes was number three. So Herbert's got the ability here. And I wouldn't be surprised, Kenny, I'll go so far as to say this with those wide receivers they have in this football team here, that he could be a 5,000-yard passer with 50 touchdowns. Justin Herbert can for this football team. And if they do, they're going to challenge Kansas City for this division.
1: Who wins the AFC, Mark? Buffalo, you said? I'm going to to still
2: stay with the Buffalo Bills. I think it's a Josh Allen type of football season this year, yes.
1: Outstanding. Everything you have is at Playbook Sports. Let everyone know about it.
2: Everything we do, Kenny, playbooksports.com. Our first football newsletter will be coming out next year. The preseason newsletter is there now. You subscribe to any publications, any services. You get the coffee club as a free no-charge bonus in your inbox every day from now through the Super Bowl. You can check it out all online at playbooksports.com.
1: Great stuff from Mark Lawrence. Take a quick break. Come right back. Live at Saunders Pub, Arthur DeCesar. He is a Westgate supervisor there in risk management. We've got a lot to talk about to take it through the final segment of our number one. Keep it right here. You're listening to SportsX Radio 101.5 FMK, Dawn Streaming, live on that Odyssey app. We'll be right back. Oh, yeah. A little cool in the gang, baby. A little get down on it. Coming back, Steiner's Pub, KT, rocking and rolling over here, and Mark Hoekspin in the hits on a Wednesday night hump day. And Arthur Caesar back in his normal spot there at 840, a little, couple minutes late. Uh, but, Art, you're back where you should be Wednesday nights. Now, we'll figure it out during the uh, year we'll, as we switch times now. We go to 6 to 8 p.m next week so we're going to figure it out around your schedule be an earlier start there for Mr. DeCesar so you won't have to stay up too late Uh, but we got a lot of college football Uh, how are things going are you getting back acclimated into uh, the grind over there I mean it's not easy just stepping right back into risk management at the busiest time of the year
3: no KT it's not but it's fun this is what we do and this is the time of year we love to do it so it's great to have college football back
1: There is no doubt. And of course, uh, Superbook Weekend, always a stellar event. So many names and faces. You get a lot of guys that come back on an annual basis. Boy, it's just a great atmosphere that weekend every year.
3: Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's obviously one of our marquee weekends. Probably the marquee weekend for us to kind of show love to the people and get everyone involved in the super contest.
1: All right, talk to me, Navy and Notre Dame, because I've watched this total go down the last couple days. Notre Dame staying at a minus 20 and a half. Where are we with Notre Dame and Navy? You're going to kind of go over these games with me and let me know where there's been action. Uh, you know, basically let us know how the, uh, the Sharps, the public, you know, how they're moving these lines and where we are with these seven D1 games, week zero in college football.
3: Sure, absolutely. Navy-Notre Dame, obviously that game in Dublin. You know, early on, total-wise, like you said, we were as high as 51. We saw sharp action on the 51. It got to 50. It's now at 49. The public got in on, on 50, so they were a little late to the party. But the number has been driven down to 49. As far as the side goes, we opened Notre Dame 19-and-a-half saw an early sharp uh, bet at 19.5, and and then the public has now piled on to
1: Notre Dame at 20.5. No surprise there, public always bets Notre Dame. There you go. So uh, we could have rain there in Dublin. That could be the reason maybe that the total has gone down because last I saw, they were expecting some rain on Saturday, and that is the earliest of the starts as far as the seven games as far as college football so we'll see if that indeed continues to drive that total down but last we saw uh and it is current right now 49 and notre dame minus 20 and a half against navy you got a pick on the side there at all
3: no i you know i think navy might be kind of live in a first half first half looking at like 11 and a half or 12
1: but it'd be a tough game to get involved in you got to have a game like this on week zero because it's probably the only time people pay attention to it. When you only have seven games, UMass at New Mexico State is still a game we're going to be interested. Why? Because there's a line and there's a total. New Mexico State in Las Cruces, the Aggies minus six and a half, total of 45 against the Minutemen of UMass. Yeah, and KT,
3: this is actually a game that both sides have seen pretty significant movement. When you look at the side, UMass took some heavy money this week at seven and a half. That's now moved us from New Mexico State minus six and a half. So you've seen a point move there. And that was a lot of sharp groups hitting UMass at the seven and a half. And then the total has creeped up from 42 and a half all the way to 45 now.
1: Wow. That is significant move on both the side and the total. Anytime a line moves and goes through that key number of seven. You know there's a lot of money being put on that one side. Florida International, the Panthers, they're going to take on Louisiana Tech down in Ruston. And we know Bachmeyer, the new quarterback there for La Tech, minus 10.5, the Bulldogs at home, 58.5 against Florida International. What have we seen as far as this? That was the opening number because the line has moved both side and total a little bit.
3: It actually it, it has PT, but this is actually the game that's probably seen the least amount of action and the least least amount of sharp movement. The reason we've seen a side and total move has really just been market stuff. Total move from 58 and a half to 59. That was pretty much a market move. And same thing when we opened the game, we opened it at 10. It was 10 and a half. It's now 11, not really because the public has sided on one side or the Sharps have. It's just been we've been moving with the market on that game.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I'm hoping Bachmeyer can have a respectable year. The transfer from Boise State, uh, True Edwards, Cyrus Allen, Smoke Harris, decent core of wide receivers, uh, Charvis Thornton as well in the backfield and I think the uh, the Bulldogs would be the side that I would look at. Florida International's got a lot of work to do, no question about it this year. San Jose State and USC, look, Brad Powers played USC, and I'm just like an SC fan, and I'm like, USC never buries the opener. They always get a non-conference foe, you know, from a mid-major conference, and uh, they win the game, and they come close to covering uh, a lot of these games, but uh, usually get back to and look, Uh, San Jose State, to me, Cordero's a pretty good quarterback. 66-and-a-half is your total. 30-and-a-half, Caleb Williams and the guys, I think they can probably move up and down the field on San Jose State. But I don't think I want to lay 30-and-a-half in the opener. I think Cordero's a guy that's going to be able to figure out how to move the ball on SC's defense. Now, SC does have a bunch of transfers uh, to play there for Alex Grinch. If he can't take this group of transfers, because there's six real good ones, SC probably won't have a chance to make the playoff. Where are you on this one, and where's the action been? KT, I'm with you. I, it's hard for me to want to lay a number,
3: you know, north of four touchdowns, 30 and a half. And you're right. We know how great USC's going to be with the Heisman Trophy winner, and they're going to have a phenomenal offense. But in a game like this, you know, it's 45-7 in the third quarter. All the starters come out. You know, We know USC's got good backup, but... Tough to lay that. You probably do get backdoored. Side has really stayed where it's been. It was 30, now 30 and a half. The total is where you've seen the move. Sharp Money came in early on 63 and a half and has moved that number all the way to 66 and a half. So you've seen a three-point move to the over. There's actually probably some value now on taking the under if you look at it because it's moved that far. And honestly, by the time we actually hit 67 at one point today, and then came back down to the 66 and a half, the public is going to get involved late on this over with USC because they look at the offense and the way they score. But you know, you
1: got to remember, it did open at 63 and a half. There you go. All right. So then we've got three games left. Ohio, you, the Bobcats, they're going to have an opportunity, pretty good opportunity, I think, to win the Mid-American Conference. They're one of the faves there. San Diego State, we know Brady Hoke's team, always tough. Ohio's getting some money, though. Curtis Rourke's an outstanding quarterback, and this kid can flat-out move the ball. Now, State's got a stingy defense year-in, year-out, and they're at home. They're minus 2, 49, but this line opened with State minus 3. It did, and we took sharp money on the Bobcats at plus 3, so... You've seen that. We're now at the
3: 2. Ohio took the 3. Like you said, a key number of 3. People felt, hey, we're just going to take it. a tight game. No real move on the, on the total.
1: Still 49. Alright, I lost you there for a second. You went out for a second. Um, okay, so uh, last I heard was uh, it's still at 49 the total, but good action on Ohio, and you think it's sharp action for, on, uh, on those Bobcats?
3: Oh, it definitely is. When we took the plus three, it was sharp money on Ohio, and like I said,
1: no move on the total with a state at 49. There you go. Now UTEP, uh, look, Dimmel's done a nice job there. I mean, there's no doubt this team is respectable, and they're physical, and they are not a pushover like they were years ago. Jacksonville State, Rich Rod, has the Gamecocks into Division 1. This will be their inaugural game. They're at home. They're plus a point. 54 is the total. What line movement have we seen on this game? This is a fun game. I think this is the sneakiest game of the week.
3: We had UTEP as a one-point dog when it opened. UTEP now the one-point favorite. So, Sharp Money came in on UTEP. Like you said, this is going to be Jacksonville State's first game playing up in competition and UTEP not only has got love in this game but they've gotten a lot of love in the futures market with people betting their over win total of five so we've seen a
1: lot of love on the minors in the offseason yeah there's no doubt the uh, quarterback is a veteran and uh he can he can play uh there's no doubt Gavin Hardison Uh, sticks around for his yeah he's a kid that can definitely uh, you know he's not a great runner but he'll run when he needs to for a first down he can get you three or four yards Uh, the backfield pretty good Hankins and Burgess Jr. and they've got Mike Franklin now a transfer coming over so pretty good backfield there and they'll rely on that run uh, more so than the pass but there's no doubt that Hardison can throw that football as well. Very physical Miners team as uh, Dana Dimo has changed things over there in El Paso. That leaves us the last game. It's Hawaii, the late game on Saturday. But, no, it's not the latest game. It's Hawaii at Vanderbilt. They're in Nashville, so we don't get that game on the islands. And, again, our prayers with everybody over there in the Maui area and over there in Hawaii. But Hawaii at Vanderbilt. This line open Vandy minus 17 and total of 56. Where are we now, Art? Yeah, you know, this is a game that's been interesting. The total
3: has seen movement. We're sitting 56. We opened 54. Early sharp money came in on that total over, and now the market has moved up to the 56. We actually saw some early money when we were as high as 18.5 on Hawaii from some sharps. We had hit 17.5. We kind of went back to 18. We've been bouncing back, but we've settled now at Vanderbilt, minus 17.5, total of 56.
1: Yeah, Braden Shager, a quarterback, the Rainbow Warriors, if he can move the football, we could see some points in this game. I like A.J. Swan, the youngster for Vanderbilt, gives him a good opportunity to win some ball games, but their schedule is just ridiculously tough. Again, anytime you're Vanderbilt and you're in the SEC, you know your schedule is gonna be uh, daunting to say the least. But that is the seven games that we have in week zero. We'll bounce back. we'll have four more Division one games on Thursday next week, so we'll be able to get into those with the art. I'll figure out uh, best time to get you next week. and then we'll roll on through. We got games on Friday and Saturday and even FBS FCS all over that Thursday schedule. So a lot of good stuff going. Football is back, Arthur De Caesar. I saw you had the NBA win totals out, the NHL win totals out. You guys were busy. It's great to be back in the thick of things. It's great to have you back, art. We'll talk to you next week. KT, it's always a pleasure to be with you, my friend. We'll talk soon. There you go. Hour number one in the books, KT Live at Steiner's Pub. Myself and my great producer, Mark Hope, we got a lot to get into. Hour number two, I'll stay here at Steiner's. He's back there at PSBR Law Studios in Vegas. We're rocking and rolling. 101.5 FMK Dawn. We're streaming live on the Odyssey app, AUDACY. Download it now, live from Vegas. We're coming right back at you.
0: Day. for peace of mind visit pdcenterlv.com rob ritchie farmer's insurance 702-335-5744 702-335-5744 so get ready because sports x radio with ken thompson starts
1: now now All right, KT, live Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, one of three in the Vegas Valley to serve you. Roger Sachs and the crew, they take care of you 24-7. Got to be 21 and older to make it into all three Steiner's Pubs. But, again, you want to get food to go, uh, your family will enjoy it. It is 24 hours of great food. And, again, not bar food, just an outstanding menu. You can check out the menus online, and uh, you can always call. They'll have things ready. I see people nonstop while I'm doing the show at night uh, sending people in to pick up to-go orders. So they do a great to-go business, uh, but the place usually real busy throughout the day, and you never know. I mean, it could be 2 in the morning, you get a group of 16 that's going to pop in, you know, after uh, hanging out and maybe working a, a shift, a swing shift or whatnot, or uh, people coming in early morning. You can get breakfast lunch dinner it doesn't much matter homemade soups homemade salad dressings full bar but they don't know if on tap they've got in the bottle uh, as far as the beer uh, just set up your ride you know prior to if you're gonna have some adult beverages and and uh, just make sure that you enjoy yourself and, and do it safely but it is just a great setup the lighting is absolutely fantastic. You always feel like it's nighttime, uh, but you've got the screens all over the place, and in HD, all the different sports, and they'll replay throughout the early mornings and hours and whatnot, and so you're always going to have games on when you enter your steiner's pub location so just a a great getaway a great watering hole a great meet-up place and great food 24-7 great gaming as well they've got the light-up marquee board that shows the jackpots that have been hit what machines they've been hit on throughout the week and they've got all that stuff going on at all three steiner's pub locations so you've got 8168 las vegas boulevard south that's right there at windmill so to put it in uh, context it's in between south point and mandalay bay On the strip right there at Windmill is the cross street there on South Las Vegas Boulevard. Then you've got the original now in their 25th year. That is 8410 West Cheyenne, and uh, that is on the west side, as is the location that I'm at, which is, of course, 1750 North Buffalo. That is right there at Vegas Drive in the Albertson Shopping Center just celebrating their 20th year last Saturday night. Ken Thompson, producer Mark Hoke going to join me. Uh, got a lot to talk about. Do want to just update some scores. Inner Miami uh, ended up uh, getting the win in the now I'm trying to see that's the U.S. Open's Cup I believe. They advanced on penalty kicks 5 to 4 and I believe they'll end up taking on Houston Dynamo. Uh, Messi was able to help rally them from a 2-0 deficit. They actually then tied things up in stoppage time and then took the lead in stoppage time only to give up the tying goal again so three goals in stoppage time between fc cincinnati and inter miami cf and uh inter miami and messi's team advanced i mean it's just been phenomenal messi did not score tonight campana had the last two goals there for inter miami uh martinez had one in the 93rd minute and then uh I guess this was, oh, I guess they did play extra time. So I guess it was tied at two. They went to extra time. So I'm thinking there were two goals in uh, just the stoppage time, not extra time. But there were actually three goals in extra time. So the game was tied at two, I guess, or it was two to one, Cincinnati. Miami tied it. Campana got a goal. And or I'm sorry, Martinez got a goal in stoppage time. That pushed it into extra time, and that's when Campana gave Miami a 3-2 lead, but Cincinnati countered with Kubo getting a goal in the 114th minute, and they went to the shootout, and Miami advances 5-4 on the penalty kick. So I want to get that straight. We've got to keep an eye on Messi mania as uh, we move on through. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball, only a couple games, actually one game going. We've got it on right here. It is Cincinnati leading the angels that game is in the top half of the eight the reds have a man on first and one out and they are up four to three on the halos in anaheim the dodger game was suspended in the third inning in cleveland and uh, a buddy of mine chris dalton who is here at steiner's pub that i met he was actually talking to his dad on facetime and it was unbelievable the torrential downpour in fact chris's fiance was supposed to fly out here tonight but that flight got canceled And a bunch of other flights there. Cleveland, so some uh, tumultuous weather over there in the Cleveland area. And so a bunch of flights canceled. So that game was suspended between the Dodgers. Kershaw was a starter against Curry. It was 3-1 Dodgers, top third, when they suspended the game. And again, that only game going, Cincinnati leading the Angels 4-3. That is top eight from Anaheim. Everything else is final from earlier. Get into those games uh, maybe after the break because I do want to reflect on uh you know very important you know personality in the world of sports uh passed away, lived a full life, 79 years of age. This is somebody that uh even KT remembers back in the day in his heyday as far as watching wrestling. And WWE legend Terry Funk passed away at age 79. So I bring in Mark Oak, of course my producer, but also Uh, He is the host and producer of the Mark Hope Show, the best in professional wrestling on Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. right here at 101.5 FMK, streaming live on that Odyssey app. And this was a guy that, you know, Mark, when you start reading uh, the different articles, you find out that this guy was respected by everybody uh, in the game, you know, and you're talking management, you're talking, you know, other wrestlers. And they just said that this guy was a consummate pro, never feared anybody, and just was always ready to work. Terry Funk, dead at the age of 79, but lived an incredible life and really, amongst his peers, you know, was somebody that was really well-liked.
4: Yeah, really, it's funny. When people talk about their Mount Rushmore wrestlers, Terry, for some reason, doesn't get on that list. But when you look at just how much respect that he's had in the industry, it's surprising that he isn't. Uh, Of course, Terry... Started wrestling back in the '60s, '70s was the NWA World Champion. Before he and his brother and the Briscoe brothers were always fighting it out. That's Jack and Jerry, not the current uh, iteration of that. Uh, You know, kind of before the Ric Flair Harley Race era, Race was in that mix too. And Terry just kept finding a way to revitalize his career. He spent all the time in the NWA in Florida and so on. Then went to the WWF for a while left looked like he might have been done then went to ecw which is extreme championship wrestling that was the promotion under paul Heyman in philadelphia got into a lot of hardcore stuff that went to world championship wrestling back in there which you know was kind of the after the nwa got in a massive feud with, with rick flair that everybody loved left again went back to the wwf and then ended up doing more stuff in japan more stuff with ecw And the older he got, the nastier the matches he wrestled. I mean, he was doing these barbed wire matches and all sorts of crazy stuff of exploding mines. And just the the guy was just one of the toughest son of guns ever. And not only doing that, though, he also had a lot of roles in Hollywood. If you remember that movie over the top with Sylvester Stallone, the arm wrestling movie, you know, Terry Funk was one of the protagonists in that Roadhouse. He was in that. And, did you know, did a ton of TV and movie roles along with being a professional wrestler. And the one thing that, you know, Terry was just such a consummate professional. And everybody loved working with the guy. And, you know, unfortunately, as time went by, body kind of wore down. And then he started getting dementia towards the end of his life. And, you know, but still, I mean, even uh, was did a special with uh, Dark Side of the Ring on one of the episodes. Just about a year and a half ago and even though you could tell he wasn't quite the person that he was he still always had a smile on his face and you could just see when he talked about wrestling his eyes just lit up and uh you know he was being lucid and and that fun terry funk again i mean there was you know just one of those guys that transcended professional wrestling as as you can see and uh you know i uh, my facebook just absolutely blew up uh, twitter blew up when uh, when the passing happened and it was announced so uh, he's going to be a guy that everybody loved and respected, and he will be missed uh, not only in pro wrestling but in Hollywood and pop culture.
1: You know, you make a, a great point because Jerry Tarkanian, you know, after uh, he left UNLV and he went to Fresno for a while, and, and T- Tark, last time I saw Tark was right here at Steiner's Pub. Went and picked him up, brought him out here, uh, did an interview, did a show, and then took him home afterwards. But, you know, there was something about Tark as he uh, got older, you know, He wasn't the sharpest as far as faculties. But if you just brought up college basketball, different games, if you went back to the hard way eight days in the late 70s and, you know, different things, same thing. His eyes would light up and he was right back in his element. He may not have remembered every single thing that was going on currently around him. And maybe he just didn't care. Maybe he tuned some of it out. But when you started talking about what was in his wheelhouse, he got those eyes lit up, and and that's the same thing you talk about with Terry Funk, and he started way back when. I mean, his dad Dory Funk was a wrestler and a promoter, and they started out with Western State Sports in Amarillo, Texas. But it, it was in his blood as a youngster, and uh, man, he, ballo- he, he ballooned into a, a pretty big sized guy.
4: Yeah, and of course, you know, like I said, you mentioned his dad, who was a professional wrestler, and then you know he was most well known early on with you know he and his brother Dory Funk Jr. You know, both were NWA World Champions. You know, were a, a very popular tag team. You know, he had the Double Cross Ranch in Amarillo, Texas. I mean, there was just not a wrestling fan that couldn't tell you where Terry lived. I mean, that's crazy. But you know, it's uh, you know, just a, you know, a really tough son of a gun. But you know, respected the business, and you know, was just one of those guys that everybody would look to, and and you know would would want to have a career like. I mean, you know, start wrestling back in 65 and you know was going all the way until you know fairly fairly recently retired a couple a couple of times but you know just um you know he's like i said just a guy that will be uh just is just such an icon in the industry and it's just it's just really sad you knew you knew it was coming but you still just it tears your heart apart when you know that terry funks passed away
1: Mark Hoke, did you see the documentary uh, back in 1999, Beyond the Mat? I did. Yes. Yeah, cause they said he was <laughs> one of the wrestlers that was featured in that.
4: Yes, it was. That was a that was a real groundbreaking documentary for the, some of the stuff that Terry went through, and you had, you know, the Rock and Mick Foley were in that. They featured some stuff in there, and yeah, you know, it was. If you haven't seen that, it's it was one of the really uh, groundbreaking documentaries in pro wrestling, so you could see behind the scenes what these guys went through, and. You know Terry was one of those guys. Like I said, he would wrestle any kind of match, any anytime, any place. I mean that 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 dude bled. <laughs> he bled for the sport a lot, and uh, like I said, just a, a real role model for everybody that was in pro wrestling. And you know came off as the tough guy, but you know behind the scenes, I mean he didn't mess with him, but it, but people loved the guy. And and it's like I said, it's a really sad day for pro wrestling to to lose Terry. And you know may have to may have to go and watch Roadhouse House again tonight.
1: There you go. I may have to watch that documentary Terry Funk inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame back in 2011 and he shows up there. He's got the three-piece suit on. I mean, he looks sharper and dapper. He's got the the hair slicked back, the mm-hmm. long hair balding up a hop, but had the glasses on. I mean, he looked like a professor up there accepting his uh Hall of Fame induction.
4: Yeah, and you know, he was he was just finishing up that run uh, with uh, Mick Foley of course, who was another, you know, the, probably the most legendary hardcore wrestler in the industry, and you know, came back and WWE decided they didn't want to call him Terry Funk because they thought it wouldn't be good marketing. They made him Chainsaw Charlie,
1: which just, sound, which just
4: sounds so stupid, right? It, it sounds stupid. They sent him out with a chainsaw and pantyhose over his head. But you know what? They got He and Mick got over as a tag team. They won the world tag team titles, and, you know, people just – Went nuts for the guy. He could he could do anything. I mean that the the, the hardcore matches, especially late in his career, when he went to Japan. And if, if you didn't you didn't hear about those, uh, let me let me just find that real quick because I want I want to make sure I get the title of the match correct. But they had the ropes taken out. There was right. barbed wire in the place of the ropes, and these exploding mines all over the place. So, if you got landed in the wrong place, something exploded, or if you landed in the ropes, you were on barbed wire. I mean it was just it was just crazy some of the stuff that that man did and you know and you know an ECW you know, did a lot of that kind of stuff too, like I said I mean just he found a way wherever he went to succeed and you know like I said, just uh, someone that you know CM Punk listed him as his top role model and and there's a lot of other wrestlers that feel the way too. So, yeah, sad, sad to see him go.
1: Yeah, that is. Uh, but a full, you know, a full life, like you said, didn't have all his faculties towards the end. But uh, nonetheless, he lived a full life. I mean, all the stuff that he got in that career was just, uh, you know, unbelievable. The amount of work that he did, like you said, never somebody that wouldn't take a match.
4: Yeah. If you go, if you go on his Wikipedia page and see the list of awards and championships that Terry Funk won. My God, it's, it's unreal. The list is longer than just about anybody I've ever seen. So you, you got to know, uh, you know, this was a, a guy that did his job and did it well. And like I said, the fun actor, too.
1: So there you go. All right, Chainsaw Charlie. That is a classic right oh there. Oh, my a- God. It was so,
4: you know, like I said, it was so bad because WWE, for some reason, said we don't want to call him Terry Funk. You know, the name that everybody knew him by. And it's right. so hard to get over when they pull a, put a gimmick on you like that that doesn't seem like it's going to work. But that's how good he was, that he could put a pair of pantyhose a, on his head in a black suit and run around with a chainsaw and still be as popular with the fans as he ever was.
1: That is great stuff. WWE legend and, again, uh, other outfits as well, but Terry Funk dead at the age of 79. And uh, thanks to producer and, uh, of course, host of the Mark Oak Show. Mark Oak commenting, and I'm sure that's something that you're going to probably uh, add to your show, paying some tribute to Terry Funk on Sunday.
4: I'm sure that we will. And uh, it's already going to be a super busy Sunday on the show with AEW All-In's pay-per-view uh, coming up. Uh, that is actually on Sunday. The the first the pre-show of that is going to be kicking off during our show. And then the pay-per-view starts afterward. And then we've also got a WWE pay-per-view on that Saturday. And AEW comes back and does another pay-per-view on Sunday. Of course, that big show at Wembley Stadium that is now set the record for attendance uh, tickets purchased for any professional wrestling show ever so we'll be talking more about that and getting ready for that one and uh, so much more it's going to be a blast.
1: there you go looking forward to it all right uh, let's just get these baseball scores in before we go to break because then you'll recognize our bumper music when we come back National League six to four St. Louis beats Pittsburgh. And uh, that was a matinee game at PNC. Andy Isco just got to get him credit because he said there's always those common scores, different scores. Six to four was, uh, you know, that's not a a score that you see every day. But you had another 6-4 score. The Cubbies beat Detroit behind Jamison Tyon uh, over school ball. And uh, that as a dog. The Cubbies were slight dogs in that game, but there's your common score from Andy Isco. The Giants San Francisco squandered a lead in the ninth, gave up a 5-2 lead. Atlanta had the winning run on first with one out, but a diving catch by the young outfielder there for San Francisco kept them alive in the bottom of the ninth. They got out of that, and then they scored two in the Excuse me, two in the 10th to win it by a score of eight to six. So a wild game there in Philly, but San Francisco gets the W, finds a way to get it done for Ragusa and his Giants. Meanwhile, Miami gets shut out at San Diego. Marlins playing pretty good ball, but the Padres able to. Uh, Scratch across a few runs early and, and hold up behind Seth Lugo. 4 nothing the final there. Total was 7.5, still stays under, as does the total in Atlanta. That's because the Mets couldn't score off Charlie Mar- Morton. Charlie Morton shuts out the Mets, 7 nothing the final there. That total was 10, but you figured Atlanta going to come to play behind Charlie Morton, who was a minus 200 favorite in that game Wayne Krivsky the great Kriv comes up short he gave you George Kirby last night said he liked Kirby a lot with Seattle however Chicago Bills pale hose get it done White Sox win it in 10-5-4 at home on the south side you could have got the White Sox a plus 230 in that game at home Kansas City they were a minus 142 that's because they were playing in Oakland uh, Reagans uh, gets the win against Martinez. 4-0 shutout there for the Royals. Another shutout. Biggest game on the board tonight. Dean Kramer in control. Got a little run support when he was in. They got a lot of run support later. Uh, bullpen did its job as well as Kramer pitched five scoreless innings and in the uh, bullpen. Four scoreless innings. Orioles, seven. Toronto, nothing. Little football score there for the O's as they get... Back on the winning track and they were a dog in this game. and We like to see that. We'll take them as a dog at home especially coming off a loss. Galsman was minus 136 at the Westgate Superbook so a nice little payback there if you took the Orioles. Tonight game still stays under the total of 8 by a run. Chris Sale and Boston, they didn't have their best stuff. They did have a lead against Houston but Houston was able to rally and get the game into extra innings uh, and then in fact, let me go back. Uh, Houston was actually leading. Then Boston tied it at four. Was the last I saw. Boston then took a seven-five lead. Houston had the bases loaded and won out in the bottom of the tenth inning, but did not score. And uh, Boston ends up winning that game by a score of seven to five. So nice effort there uh, by the Bo Sox, who are still keeping their playoff hopes alive. They win it by a score of seven to five. Gave you the Cubbies over Detroit six to four. Milwaukee. They gave up a run in the 10th to Minnesota. They came up with two of their own. 8-7, to seven wild game. Liked Milwaukee yesterday with Burns, but never thought it would be an 8-7 extra inning affair. But the Brewers continue to win. They're playing good, solid baseball. It is a final now. Cincinnati opened it up late and beat the Angels 9-4 behind Abbott. And this Cincinnati Reds team... Uh, starting to get back on track. And it's really interesting now in the NL Central because the Cubbies are playing well. Now the Reds are playing well. Milwaukee's playing lights out right now. So it's going to be real fun in September to see who ends up winning that NL Central. Tampa with the run in the tenth, They get past Colorado after blowing a 5-2 lead. The Rays win it by a score of 6-5. Game does get up and over. The eight total Savali started there for the Rays. Looked like he was going to get a W, but the bullpen Gave up that lead. The Yankees break a nine-game losing streak behind Luis Severino, nine to one. They pound Washington. Game goes over the total of eight and a half. Told you the Dodgers in Cleveland got suspended. So what that means, if you played the Grand Salami, uh, that's the total of all the runs. You can have they'll have a, a number, and you can either go over or under. I believe it's just a push. I believe you get the money back uh, whether you had over or under. And, uh, you know, I think that it may have already had gone over the total. We'll have to see. But I I think it had already gone over the total. But it doesn't matter because the Dodger-Cleveland game was not completed. And in a grand salami, most of the places will say that it's got to be completed the day of the event. And since that Dodger-Cleveland game was suspended in the third inning with the Dodgers leading 3-1, to that would mean your grand salami money more than likely will be returned to you. So that a look at the Richard Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. As far as in baseball, uh, the only game on the WNBA scoreboard, L.A., the Sparks just buried Phoenix 91-62. The game still stays under by a point and a half. Total was 154.5. Game hits 153, 91-62 the L.A. Sparks, minus 11. They blow out the Mercury on the road, and that is a look at the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. Take our break here, uh, mid-break here, and, uh, or for actually first break there, hour number one. Went a little bit long, but come back. You'll recognize that bumper music, and I'll be uh, talking with my producer, Marco. Got a lot to talk about. Lots going on, and I'll get you all those lines for all the games coming up this week, including the preseason. You're listening to SportsX Radio 101.5 FMK Dawn streaming live on that Odyssey app. Ken Thompson live at Steiners, coming right back.
0: Something magic happens Every time you go You make the magic happen The magic of Orioles Baseball When the game is close And the yokes are hot There's a thundering roar from 34 To give it all they've got And you help Who's gonna hear them call? Every game does a different start. That's the magic of a real. Baby.
1: Yeah, the magic continues babies Orioles take care of business in uh, demonstrative fashion tonight at home at Camden Yard 7-0 Dean Kramer in control they beat Kevin Gausman Orioles 7 runs 10 hits no errors Toronto no runs 5 hits 3 errors so uh, boy they couldn't get anything across again Kramer goes to 12-5 and five. 5 hitter didn't walk a man uh, struck out 5 Webb came in perfect inning one strikeout uh, Cano one inning, perfect, nothing, and then uh, Fujinami came in and struck out the side in the ninth. Very impressive, and the Orioles win it by a score of seven to nothing. So you'll take that, Mister Hope, back to thirty games over five hundred.
4: I think Santander's back is okay now.
1: Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> two, two, two home runs, no doubt, and uh, yeah, they're they're all chipping in again. You know, when you look, I mean, you have O'Hern is just barely over three hundred. But nobody else, you know, really even close. I mean, Hayes was over 300 for a little bit, but he's at 281. Uh, but these are opportunistic hitters. Rushman's at 273. You've got Santander and uh, McKenna at 250 apiece. Mountcastle, 272. 249 for Chucky Mullins. He's been, you know, hurt a couple different times this year. Westberg, your second baseman, 266. And Arias at 257. Uh, and then Henderson at 248, but know we know he was mired in the 180s, 190s for a while before he really caught fire and picked things up in in a big way. But this team very opportunistic, and uh, you can't keep them down too long. And you kind of get the feeling when they're hitting, you know, it, it, it's kind of contagious. It seems like there's a lot of games where there's seven or eight guys that that, that get at least one hit.
4: Well, the interesting thing about the team count is that. There, there's really, I mean even on the bench there's not a a real weak spot per se. I would say Mateo's probably the only guy that hasn't really been hitting much this year. But for the most part anybody else can do damage on that lineup and that's I think one of the things that makes him dangerous. But I think the other thing, Ken, that a lot of people aren't talking about with this team is the pitching. The starting pitching, you know everybody's still focused on Batista and Cano and the and the back end of the bullpen. But Bradish has now got the second lowest ERA in baseball, in the American League, excuse me, right now. No, and Rodriguez has been pitching great since he came back up. You know, you got Bradish, you know, getting it done, and, you know, Kyle Gibson and Flaherty are, are there, and, you know, John Means is going to be back soon, and I would imagine Tyler Wells will be back up soon, too, plus D.L. Hall, who's got it, got it, his stuff together after he was down in Sarasota. People are really forgetting about what this starting rotation is doing because, for the most part, they're so young. But, Ken, they're looking good.
1: They're looking good. They are looking good. There's no doubt about it. Meanwhile, the uh, Cincinnati Reds, I gave you a 9-4 final. That was from the earlier game. They're playing the nightcap right now, and they're up 7-3 on the Angels. Remember, that game was... 4-3. 4-3. to It's 7-3 to now. The Reds bat with one out in first and second in the top half of the ninth inning. But in the first game, Delacruz had a three-run homer, had a triple, six RBIs for the youngster. In the nightcap, McLean's got a three-run homer and a couple hits. So uh, they are taking care of business. Let's go and check real quick on the standings as things have changed a little bit. Orioles uh, right now at 78-48. and 48. Still listed two games ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays. They have three up in the loss column, but two games ahead of the Rays, who have 77 and 51. Orioles at 78 and 48. Toronto with the loss to the O's, eight and a half back, 70 and 57. The Red Sox beating Houston tonight, 67 and 60. And we told you the Yankees broke that nine game losing streak. Aaron Judge, his first three home run game as a member of the Pinstripe Yankees. Meanwhile, Minnesota, they are floundering. They have lost a couple in a row. They are 65 and 62, but they have a four and a half game lead in the Central over the Cleveland Guardians. We told you their game was suspended against the Dodgers tonight when they were trailing three to one with the inclement weather there in Cleveland. But the Detroit Tigers, 11 games under 500, but only seven games back, only two and a half back of the Guardians for second place. I'm just hoping Minnesota at least finishes over 500. I mean, I think there should be a rule that if you don't make it to 500, you can't go to the playoffs, Mark.
4: Well, you know, but still, you, if you win your division, you win your division. It it, it just kind of is what it is. It's it's pretty hard to in baseball to not finish over five hundred. So, you know, look, I, you know that division's terrible. We all know it, but you know the, the and the Twins will. But you know, the Twins have a pitching rotation. Like I said, they're you know they're you got a three game series, first round. Your pitches are hot. You can do it. So, you know, it it does it suck that they're. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I, I remember a Twins team a while back that was only a few games over 500 that won a World Series out of the Blues. So you never know
1: what happens in baseball, Ken. Just never, yeah, no doubt. You know. No doubt. Houston, 72-56 and 56 after that loss tonight. Could have pulled within a uh, half game there. Actually, they, they could have uh, pulled into a tie with the Texas Rangers, but they end up losing that game. They would have gone to 73-55, and 55, and they would have been – tied with Texas percentage points behind but they're now still a full game behind the Texas Rangers they dropped to 72 and 56 after losing that game to Boston 7-5 at home and then Seattle lost a matinee game to in 10 innings to the White Sox so they also dropped a half game Texas was idle probably the best thing that happened to the Rangers they are 72 and 54 the Angels losing this twin bill they're going to drop to 61 and 67 and boy it is tough I mean they go out they make the move to stay fast there, uh, you know. Marino says, "You know what? Let's go for it." And it has just been a nightmare for Angels fans. Yeah, Otani's there. You're going to get to see him play for a little bit, but Mark, I would think he's probably out of there, and uh, they may not get anything for him.
4: No, and and you know, I talked about that, Ken. That yep, you did. You you just didn't have the foundation there to be a contender. You just didn't, and. I know they went out and they added a lot of guys, but there wasn't there weren't too many I mean Giolito was you know a great pickup, but otherwise, you know did you really make your team that much better to push past some of these teams that are ahead of them? No you know you were going to need to really go out and add three superstars to even have a chance and I, I think unfortunately, while I give the angels credit for going for it. And trying to send that message to Otani, hey, we're going to do what we got to do. It, you know, now what's if Otani walks, almost half their roster is going to be gone. Ken, if you take a look at who's going to be a free agent, I just think that they made a mistake. As as hard as it would have been to say goodbye, it, it it was the wrong move. It was the wrong move.
1: Yeah, you did. You talked about it, and uh, I believe Krivsky was on your side. I think he also thought that they should deal them so they elected not to they rolled the dice came up snake eyes didn't work out for them braves 82 and 44 well ahead they've got that nle's pretty much wrapped up 13 and a half up on the phillies who have 11 games over 569 and 58 so they are your front runner as far as the wild card miami with the loss they're only two games over 500 the Cubs are six games over 500, and when the Reds finish off this game against the Angels, which they should, they're in the bottom of the ninth right now. The Reds also will be six games over 500. They will be 67 and 61. The Cubs 66 and 60. So percentage points ahead. The Cubbies will be for second place, but both teams will be three and a half games behind the Milwaukee Brewers, who are 70 and 57. The Dodgers, uh, 76 and 48 well ahead of both San Francisco and Arizona. San Fran with the win tonight in extra innings ends up pulling even with the Diamondbacks who have been playing good solid baseball. They've won their last four and eight of their last ten. Both those teams now will be 66 and 61. The Reds with this win in this game will pull a half game ahead of both of those teams Uh, They'll be dead even in the loss column, so you're literally going to have four teams: the Cubs, the Reds, the Giants, and the Diamondbacks, all separated by a half a game. And then you'll have the Marlins will be just a game and a half back of those four teams. Philadelphia will be the front runner, as we told you, as far as the wild card. But Atlanta and the Dodgers, they pretty much, pretty much have their divisions wrapped up. Uh, Milwaukee again, a three and a half game lead over both Chicago and Cincinnati. Unless the uh, angels put up a four spot to keep this game going in the bottom of the ninth against the Reds, so I, I would think that uh, starting, to, starting to shake out as we go into September you're starting to get a pretty good read now there's still you know a bunch of games to go on a bunch of key games, a bunch of uh, games where you're going to have a lot of matchups head to head, and uh, you'll be able to be able to you know kind of figure out as we get down stretch time. Uh, you know how teams are shaping up for the postseason, but Mark, I would think that you've got to feel pretty confident right now the way the Orioles are playing.
4: Yeah, they're they're looking pretty good, but you know they can't shake Tampa. They just can't get rid of them. Tampa Bay just keeps playing well. But but Ken, if you don't mind going back to the National League for a minute, I think well you're talking about how things are shaking out, if you're Atlanta and the Dodgers right now, you pretty much already know you're going to win those divisions, and you should get the buys in the first round. So they're going to be able to really rest some guys probably down the stretch, and get a chance to set those pitching rotations up for the uh, NLDS series, whoever they end up playing. I mean, you know, can you remember what happened last year with your Mets that when mm-hmm. they didn't win the division, they had to go into that three game series to kick things off in the wild card round? So you know, this is this is huge for Atlanta and the Dodgers and. And I think, you know, with everything that's happening in the NL Central and, you know, Arizona and the Phillies, that we're forgetting about the Dodgers. We don't talk about them enough. You've got two guys that in a lot of years, Betts and Freeman, would be MVP candidates, you know, but they're chasing Acuna right now. But the Dodgers, despite some injuries, are in great, great shape. And, you know, I, I really think the Braves and the Dodgers, for the, you know, you never know, but for the most part, I would think. You know, you're going to see a pretty titanic collision when you get to the uh, National League Championship Series with those teams. But but like I said, the positioning for them, that's huge right now. I mean, Ken, you, you're, you're look, heading to September and you pretty much know you're going to not only win your division, but you're going to get the first round bye, too because none of these other teams are even on pace to win 90 games.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so Brandon Hyde doing an incredible job. Uh, Orioles manager has the O's 30 games over 500. But you talked about it. Kevin Cash, this guy oh. is as resilient as can be with this Tampa Bay Rays team. You've got the Wander Franco situation going on. You lost McClanahan, your best pitcher for the year. I mean, this team's all types of banged up. And, and you're right, somehow, some way, you know, the O's have the two-game lead, three in the loss column. But you're right, they cannot shake Tampa Bay as well as they've played.
4: Yeah, I mean, that, that is such a testament to, to what Cash is doing it's a testament to the Tampa Bay system because they're the guys that they're having to bring in there, you know, they lost Rasmussen, they've lost McClanahan, you know, and for them to still be where they are because, you know, I thought when Rasmussen was down and, and uh, and the, I'm forgetting his shield, I'm forgetting who the other pitcher was, but they've lost three
1: guys out of the rotation. Baz, Baz, B-A-Z, B-A-Z, Shane Baz, Shane Baz. So
4: they're, they've been just hitting the ball. I mean, what a gutsy team, because I thought they were going to finish in fourth place. They're not finishing in fourth place. They're going to the playoffs, and they're not going to be an easy out. They just play gutsy, gutsy baseball. And, you know, you're looking right now, let's, you know, I I think we can see, too, that whoever wins the East and whoever wins the West is going to be getting the buys in the first round because it's not going to be the Twins. So you're probably looking at the Twins taking on the bottom wild card. You're probably talking maybe Toronto or Seattle there houston is in pretty good shape to make the playoffs too but yeah you know, that I, I almost would want to be the last wild card i'd rather play the twins because you could have say a houston toronto matchup or houston tampa matchup in that first round yikes i don't want that yeah, so no doubt. yeah so i want to well i'll tell you if i'm in the west i want to win that division like crazy i don't i got to get that by well
1: we'll go over the overnight has got a uh Late schedule in baseball tomorrow, but we'll get to them, and we'll wrap things up here live at Steiner's Pub, Sports X Radio, 101.5 FMK, Dawn Streaming Live on that Odyssey app. And I'll give you my two cents as far as uh, a closing note. We'll do that when we come back. Live from Vegas, live at Steiner's Pub. You're listening to Sports X Radio. I'm Ken Thompson with producer Mark Hope, coming back to wrap things up live from Vegas. Richie Valens as we come back, wrap things up, live at Steiner's Pub. Ken Thompson, remember the final week, the show 8 to 10 p.m., Monday through Friday. As we shift starting on Monday, we'll go 6 to 8 Pacific time, so the archives will be up by about 9 o'clock Pacific time. So jot that down, earlier time start. Remember to download the Odyssey app if you haven't done that, A-U-D-A-C-Y and you can use the Rewind feature for both SportsX Radio and, of course, the Mark Hoke Show, the best in professional wrestling. My producer, his show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Wrapping things up here, just want to uh, get to some of the games that are going to be coming up. Tomorrow, I do have, uh, I know that, Coach Dickard from Washington State is going to join me at about 8.25 Pacific time. Now, I think Andy Isco will be in studio, but that's not confirmed yet. I'll find out with AI. He's got a busy schedule with all his proxy work he'll be doing. Uh, Brad Powers will be on the PSBR Law Hotline tomorrow, hour number two, and he will be going over the games with either myself or myself and Andy uh, for week zero, the seven D1 games for Saturday's card and then we are going to have our inaugural week next week as far as the new time slot, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., and got a bunch of guests lined up. Coach Stig will be joining us, South Dakota State's uh, national champion head coach, one of Mark Hoke's favorite guests. He'll be on Monday's show, and I've got a whole list of uh, guys and gals that are hopefully going to be confirmed for next week as we get rolling at the new time, and again, it'll open up the decks for some more guests now that I won't be bothering people so late at night on the East Coast or Midwest. But uh, looking forward to the new time change. But jot it down and uh, listen for the promos right here on 101.5 FM K Dawn. Uh Reds and Angels, I believe that game is over now. And I believe the uh, Reds have completed the sweep of the doubleheader and i uh, just going to try and confirm that in just a sec because it's still showing that it was up, but they were down to their last out, the Angels were, and I'm still showing 7-3 to three in the bottom of the ninth with two outs. So I'll uh, just make sure I did have the game on, but it went to commercial, so unless they're making a uh, change, that game could be over, and the Reds would then get the sweep and move into a tie for second place in the NL Central with the Chicago Cubs, and they'd both be three and a half games behind the Milwaukee Brewers. Tomorrow in action, got a couple preseason game, Steelers and Falcons from Atlanta, Pittsburgh minus four and a half, 38 and a half and Kenny Picketts looks solid in his uh, brief work so far and a lot of people very optimistic if they're Steelers fans as far as that offense being able to put up enough points knowing that the defense is pretty much good enough to shut down a lot of teams. Colts and Eagles will be the other game. Colts are minus four and a half on the road, 38 the total. That's because Sirianni not going to play any starters in tomorrow's action. He's got his roster pretty much intact. There's a few spots that they'll be uh, looking at, uh, but Philly pretty much intact. Mark, you excited as far as for Philly to take it that next peg to get that Super Bowl?
4: Yeah, as long as they can get through the schedule. It's a It's a brutal schedule for them this year, but I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, the NFC is just not a good conference. And, you know, I always see Philadelphia and San Francisco as the real contenders to win it. So, yeah, I'm I'm feeling okay, Ken. I'm feeling okay.
1: All right, so let me just ask you, because I know you're a big North Dakota State guy, and I know Trey Lance, we've talked about it. He got beat out by Sam Darnold for the backup. And I I will tell you that... uh, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's a heck of an offensive mind, but man, you talk about swinging and missing on thinking somebody's going to be, you know, your starting quarterback, and he not only thought that Lance would be the starting quarterback, he thought he would be up there, uh, you know, in the category of a Lamar Jackson or a uh, Patrick Mahomes. Now, look, there's no doubt he may get an opportunity somewhere, and maybe he'll be able to pick it up. But right now, he is in practices and and uh, scrimmages and even preseason action, he has not been able to answer the bell, and so they are looking for a trade partner. And there's a couple of trades that were actually in the works, so you may see Trey Lance out of San Francisco by the end of this week.
4: Yeah, I'm, I, you know, honestly, I'm pretty devastated about it because Trey's an awesome athlete, and he probably needed a little more time in college, but. Yeah, he's, I, you know, he'll probably be one of those guys that I think it give him some time and, you know, a little more experience in the NFL. I think he'll be okay. But, you know, I, Shanahan made the decision. Whether I agree with it or not, doesn't matter. So we'll see what happens with Trey. But, you know, I, I think one, just give him a little time. And if somebody, when somebody gets him, they're going to get a great guy and a great athlete. And, you know, hopefully they'll be able to develop
1: him. So you talk about, I mean, one end of the spectrum to the other trey lance they trade three first round picks to move up and grab him and then brock purdy is the last guy taken in the draft and leads them to the nfc championship game against philadelphia gets hurt in that game not able to finish it but unbelievable mr irrelevant uh, you know ends up being the starting quarterback and a guy you trade three first rounders never has a shot at starting for that team. Unbelievable how things work out sometimes in the world of sports. Tomorrow, Major League Baseball. Cubbies and Pittsburgh Steel will go for the Cubbies. Pittsburgh undecided, so no line out as of yet. Cincinnati, I mean, they got to go from Anaheim. Now, it's a short jaunt down to Phoenix, but they've got a 640 Pacific time game with Williamson against Merrill Kelly. Good luck with that, Cincy. I mean, that's that's a tough test because they just got done playing a double header. But you do get a little... Uh, energy, knowing that you swept that doubleheader against the Angels. So you'll have a nice little flight down to Arizona tonight. But it is Kelly minus 162-9 the total. American League, uh, Bayo for Boston against France for Houston. Red Sox beat him in 10 tonight, 7-5. To France minus 132-9 the total. Baltimore not decided yet on their pitcher against Jose Barrios for Toronto. Uh, right now the Orioles still a minus 110 favorite, 9 the total there. Texas with Haney, Minnesota with Lopez as uh, the Twins at home, minus 138 and a half. Rangers trying to break a six-game losing streak. Oakland with Waldachuk and Schulten's there for the White Sox. White Sox minus 145, nine and a half the total. Washington and the Yankees interleague. Yankees breaking the nine-game losing streak. Remember what I told you, a lot of times that happens. You break a streak of eight or more. The same result happens the next day. I'll look at the Yankees there. But Michael King's a big favorite, minus 162, nine the total. Uh, Lambert for Colorado, Armstrong for Tampa. Tampa minus 230, eight and a half year total. And the Dodgers undecided against Gavin Williams for Cleveland. Uh, Dodgers still minus 125, eight and a half year total. They will finish the suspended game if they can, weather permitting. The Dodgers were leading that game three to one in the third inning. And then you'll have. Uh, CFL action with Montreal at Winnipeg. The Blue Bombers at home, minus 8.5. Winnipeg is 47.5 against the Alouettes. And uh, it is Winnipeg again, minus minus eight and a half, forty-seven and a half. 47.5. And WNBA, got a bunch of games. Let's see if the Aces are in action. They are. They're in Chicago. And they are minus 14.5 against the Sky 169. Their total. Uh, Minnesota is at Dallas. Dallas minus 7.5, New York's at Connecticut. No line out as of yet. Some injury uh, issues right there. They have not put a line out. And Seattle's at Indiana. The fever of Indiana minus 2.5, 162. That'll do it for us on this Wednesday night. Tomorrow, throwback Thursday. Andy Isco, Coach Dickard from Washington State, Brad Powers, amongst others. Live from Vegas, you know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. I'm Ken Thompson. Folks, I've had a great evening. Enjoyed the show. Thanks to producer Mark Hoke and guests. God bless. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Good night, everybody.